What up, what up, all my independent thinkers out there in podcast land. It's your girl, Alexandra, and you are listening to Teach a Man to Think, the podcast, a place where we always stay curious, think differently, and as always, think for ourselves. So sit back, unwind, and get ready to unlock your mind. Welcome back, all my curious cats out there. So I want to do a continuation of the Azerbaijani story. So if you haven't heard part one of Arrested in Azerbaijan, then definitely stop what you're doing, go back to that, and then finish this episode. Because I'm going to talk about a lot of backstory that I didn't talk about in that episode, and it's going to get interesting. So you definitely want to listen to both so you understand what's going on. And I don't know if you are listening to the for the first time or you've been along with me for this long journey and ride that I've been on since June. I mean, it's only been, it's been less than three months, but because I've put out so many episodes and I've been so intentional on producing really open and honest content, I feel like it's forcing me and I'm forcing myself to open up more, be more open, be more honest and vulnerable on this podcast. And my goal really is just to have conversations that I would have with my friends and the way I would talk to you if I was in person. So I want to get more comfortable sharing those stories because I have become very comfortable in my life to be very open and very transparent about who I am with the people around me. But as you can understand, doing that on a podcast is like a little different layer because you have strangers listening to it. You have people you know listening to it. And you don't know who's listening to it. You know, like when you're giving conversation and you're sharing that um, detail with somebody, you know who is receiving that information. And when you're just putting it out there to the world and anyone can hear it and do whatever they want with it, then, you know, whatever. But that's just a part of life. That's just a part of growing. And for whatever reason, I feel like this is my purpose. Do I think that everyone needs to share every little detail of their life and everyone needs to have a platform and open up and this is their way to do it and to heal? No, this is just for me what I feel like I need to do. This is something that has been pushing me and boiling inside of me for so long that I feel like the only way that I could overcome that feeling is just to dive into it and just do it. So I want to talk about this story and I talked about our like interactions with the cops in Azerbaijan And when I talked about it in the first episode, I did explain how we had those interactions right after we left Baku, which is the capital city, and it's a huge city. And then we rented a car to go travel around the country. And that's when we had those interactions with the cops. So I did share that our journey and our three days all around the country was amazing. And it was like visually and on so many levels. But there was some deep part of me that was so paranoid the entire time because when you get pulled over by a cop in any country, especially in your own country, you could be down the block. It's not a good feeling. When you get pulled over by a cop in a different country, it's terrifying. It really is terrifying. And no matter how courageous we were in the situation situation and how quickly we kind of got over it and even how we handled it, I was very much freaking out. And there was a really big reason for this that I did not share. So I'm going to share that now. And before I do that, I'm just going to backtrack a little bit. 
So I talked about that on our first day when we got to Baku, Azerbaijan, we had a Airbnb rented. And so the Airbnb, he had told us that there was going to be AC and everything. And I guess like last minute something happened and his family had to come visit him and stay with his, in his apartment. So he has like this two bedroom apartment or maybe three bedroom apartment and his entire family there. I mean, like moms, grandmas, aunts, uncles, kids, everybody. I think there's like a one bathroom. And so we came into the room and there's no fan in there. I guess there had been a fan in there or there was an AC and maybe he was going to give us a different room with the AC. But because his family had come and it was a bigger room, he had switched us out. And obviously that was a problem for us because, well, I get it. Like, I feel bad. I want his family to be comfortable, but that's not my problem. Like, I'm not, I'm not paying for them to stay in our room, you know? So we stayed there and then he had like twin beds and we tried to push the beds together and it was like super uncomfortable. And the only way we could find some resolution to breathe is by opening the door. But when you open the door, it lets out to the entire family. So people, because there's like 10 people there in one bathroom, people would be going in and out of the bathroom like all the time. So we had zero privacy and otherwise it was a good experience. He was super cool, really nice. His family treated us amazingly. Like they offered us, we sat down with them for dinner. We had tea and um, like these sweet cherries, which is like a traditional kind of Moldovan and that region thing where we drink tea with like um, these like jam cherries that are like condensed in sugar and it just reminded us of our childhood and home. And we sat on this balcony and we're just like sitting with him and his family and drinking tea. And it was such a cool experience. But at the same time, we couldn't stay there. So we had asked him if he could take us the next day to the next Airbnb that we had found. And he was very gracious and he did that. Um, but, you know, it was the least he could do at the same time because, well, he kind of got us in, into the situation. So... While we were also doing this, we were like, okay, well, let's go on couch surfing. Maybe we could find somebody on couch surfing. And I mentioned couch surfing the other episode. If you don't know what couch surfing is, it's basically this platform for people to connect with travelers. So a lot of people who do this, they open up their home to travelers for exchange of like cool stories and information and just to connect with someone from a different place and share the language, share food, whatever it is. So people do this and people have profiles and then they kind of uh, show what kind of property they have and what they have available. Some people only have a couch. Some people give you a full bedroom. Some people uh, give you a floor to sleep on. Like you have all these options. Some people only want women to stay. Like some people only want single people. So it wasn't something we really, like we had only used it, actually couch surfing specifically, that specific website, we never used it to stay at someone's house. But we did use it to meet this guy. And one of the reasons we didn't use it to stay at anyone's house is because, as you can imagine with that kind of website, I'm sure if you dig through, you could find some real gems, kind of like online dating. But you could imagine what kind of trash is attracted to that type of website because you have these people that are like creepers and they want like these single girls to stay with them. So no one really wants a married couple to stay with them. People are kind of using it as a dating site. So it started getting really weird and creepy, but we ended up meeting this guy and I'll talk about on different episodes how we used a different website, which was a better, more cleaner, refined version of couch surfing. And we did actually use that to stay for free at people's houses, mainly Malaysia. So I'll talk about that when I get to Malaysia. But 
let's stick with Azerbaijan. So we met this kid. I, I totally forgot his name, actually. And, um, and he was, like, interesting. We had talked to him. And I remember we were, like, talking a little bit. And when we first met up with him, he, we didn't meet his friends first. We met him in the center of the city. He said that he didn't have a place to stay for us because someone else was staying there. But he would, you know, take us out. And we could, like, you know, um, he could introduce us to his friends and all that stuff. So we're like, that's awesome. It gives us a chance to get out of the apartment. It was our first night in the city. We're like, it gives us a chance to get out of the Airbnb, get some AC and meet some people. And also one thing that we really wanted to do in Azerbaijan was we wanted to smoke cannabis because we had heard everywhere, everyone was saying that this is like where you get like really good quality and that supposedly they get a lot of their... uh weed or cannabis, whatever you want to call it, herb, flower, whatever, from Afghanistan and that region. And because it's so good quality there that they told us it's like very prominent in Azerbaijan and all these countries. So we thought it was just like very accepted. And we thought it was just like one of these countries where it was very open and you could smoke wherever, kind of like Cambodia was. Cambodia was very open and it is what it is. And since we hadn't smoked since Thailand, and I'll get into that whole story about Thailand because Thailand it is not accepted there, but it had been a while, right? So we were like on vacation and we we're like, hey, why not? We're in this country with like great quality weed. Why not try to get some? So we had asked this kid if he can get us some. And I don't know if he was like trying to be cool. I don't know if whatever. He's like, yeah, yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so easy to get it. Whatever. I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of what we saw, what we heard. So why not? So anyways, like time went on and also a really funny story with this kid is that when we had first met him, we were walking around, he was telling us how his dream was to live in Austin, Texas. And at this time, we still, we had just kind of, we uh, had just traveled in Austin, Texas and we loved Austin, Texas at that time. Now, not so much, like our completely viewpoints have changed drastically since we started traveling. But back then, we loved Austin. So when he told us he loved Austin too, we're like, oh, that's interesting. That means he's kind of interesting. Maybe he's with it a little bit or whatever. And it turned out, we found out later on, like fast forward a few weeks when we were about to leave through one of his other friends, that the reason why he liked Austin and the reason why we even thought that we would connect with this kid and actually get along with this kid is because of Austin connection, but really we found out that the reason why he had a connection with Austin is because he was having an affair with some married woman that was from Austin, Texas, and her husband was like in the oil business, and that was his like his dream was like to run away with her in Austin, Texas. So it was just funny because we had no idea and we're and the whole time we're like, well maybe he's cool because he understands Texas and he's like with it. And we hung out with him and he was like very strange and not really our vibe. So when we found out that detail, we're like, okay, now it makes sense. But the other kid we had met was really, really cool. He was actually from Turkmenistan. Originally, his family was from there, but he was so cool. He wanted to be an actor. He wanted to move to LA and he was like just an interesting character. So we really hit it off. And, but before we had done that and like really hit it off with him, we were all hanging out with the group And so basically a lot of the time that we were there, we were like drinking, we were drinking pomegranate wine, which is like a really big thing in Azerbaijan is pomegranate wine. It is so delicious. It's like $2 at the grocery store. 
And in general, Azerbaijan is just super cheap and the food is incredible. There are literally fruits growing everywhere. You're walking in the street, in the city, and there's like apricots and blackberries and plums and grapes. I mean, anything you could think of is just blossoming in the street. You could pick as much as you want. Everything is so economical and so affordable. We stayed in this incredible Airbnb in the center of the city with a balcony. Everything was done. I mean, like top notch. The guy who actually rents it, who owned the Airbnb was an architect. We became friends with him afterwards. And his whole family was like an architecture. And they did such a beautiful, phenomenal job in this apartment. It was probably the nicest apartment I've ever stayed in. And like actual apartment, not house, but like how like apartment. And I think it was like $30 a night. It was mind blowing. And for us, that was expensive at that time, but we just splurged because we're like, we just had this crazy experience. We're here in this country. We're in the city. Like, let's just figure it out. And the money that we'll save commuting and all that stuff, we could at least be in the city and just walk around from the city. So it was amazing. The only downside is Azerbaijanis really love their meat. So we'd go out on the balcony and it smelled like a freaking barbecue, like 24 seven, which if you love meat, you would love it. So getting off track here, my friends, let's get back to it. So because we were trying to get weed and he had told us that we already were promised. So we're like, okay, that was kind of like our goal. We're like, okay, at the very least let's smoke here and like experience it. And he couldn't get it. Like, I think he was like a, like a bullshitter and like one of these people, whatever. But eventually after some time and realizing that it actually was very hard to get weed there. And apparently you could, but it was like very scarce and very expensive. And people, you know, were very terrified of the government because the government was very crazy. And like, apparently it was like a big deal. So I don't know what was accurate, what wasn't. All I knew is that it was very difficult to get it. And we actually went on this adventure going with this kid who had, who our friend from Turkmenistan, who now was like becoming our close friend, And we hit it off. We like bonded over 21 pilots and like music and uh, all these different things. So one night he had, he was like, okay, I'm going to get it for you. I have a friend, whatever. So he took Boris. I stayed at the bar with this kid. And then Boris and this other kid went to walk off somewhere to go get some, some weed. So they walk off and they're like gone for, I don't know, like an hour or something like that. I don't know what's going on. They're in this strange country. I'm left at the bar with this kid. I don't know where they're going off to. Is he going to send him off to the cops? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going on. The vibe was just very interesting because I had never experienced this specific situation where it was like some people were telling you it's easy. Some people telling you it's hard. Like it either is what it is or it's not. But this situation was different. So finally he comes back and he shows me he actually did get something. And it was like a little matchbox filled, not even half filled, like with just a little bit of like basically like little, uh, I don't know, like a little dusting of like weed. It wasn't even a lot. And it was like 30 bucks, I think, which is like super ridiculous and expensive. But we're like, whatever it is, we got something. And at the end of the night, that kid ended up coming to our apartment. Cause like I said, we had this huge, gorgeous apartment. So we had this, we had our own bedroom and then we had all the rooms locked and closed. So we had the living room and had a couch. So he came over to our place and we ended up to thank him, we shared it a little bit with him and we ended up drinking pomegranate wine and we ordered Papa John's and we ate food and we watched like videos and we shared music and we shared comedy and it was just so much fun. He ended up sleeping on the couch and 
that was like one of our last nights in Azerbaijan. So when we had fast forward, the reason why I'm telling you the story is because when we had got pulled over, I was so paranoid that the government somehow had found out that we bought weed and that they were tracking us. Because the way that the government already was, was like, even when we went to the embassy, we've never had that experience. Like everywhere we went so far up until that point had been so positive. Well, for the most part, other than China and I guess North Korea was kind of scary. But for the most part, yeah, I guess now that I say it, it sounds weird. But we had positive experiences with the embassy. And then here we were, and we felt really strange in the embassy. They make you feel really guilty for no reason. They put a lot of pressure on you, and it just is not a comfortable feeling. So when we were getting pulled over, and the guy was saying, I have you on video and whatever, I'm like, oh my God, like, were they watching us in the street? Were they watching Boris? Like, were they watching us, like, walk around? Like, do they have, I don't know. Like, I was just so paranoid. So then when we got pulled over a second time, I was super paranoid. And then when we got stopped by the cop the third time while we were sleeping, but we had a positive interaction, I just didn't know what to do with that whole situation. So I will talk about our three days and like our adventure on a different episode for Azerbaijan, but specifically about the paranoia and thinking that we're going to get arrested. This is what happened. So on our very last day, that we came back from our uh, car camping adventure in Azerbaijan. We got back to Baku and we didn't have a place to stay. We didn't have an Airbnb. We just knew that we were planning on returning the car and then going to the bus station and taking a bus to Georgia, to Tbilisi, the capital. So we went, we dropped off the car at the Airbnb, uh, at the um, rental car place. And we went there and he told us, he had actually told us that he gave us some kind of ticket. He's like, oh, actually, you, you know, they found the registration for the car and they gave us some kind of ticket. I don't know. I think the ticket was like 10 bucks. This whole situation just didn't make sense. I didn't understand where it was going on, why the ticket was $10. They were telling us we had to pay like $100 or $50 and everything just didn't make sense. And also we didn't have Wi-Fi at this point. So the only time that we had Wi-Fi is where we were connected and that was not very many places. So in this rental car place, I was able to connect to Wi-Fi. And as I was connecting to Wi-Fi, I get a message from our very first Airbnb host that we stayed with for one night when we first arrived. And he's telling me, he's like, where are you guys at? And I'm like, why? He's like, because the, the government is looking for you and they want me to bring you to the embassy. And we're like, what? <laughs> We were so freaking out. I especially, I was freaking out. I'm like, hold up. Okay. We clearly broke the law in this country. We have cops harassing us. And now I have this kid telling me that they want us to, he's bringing us to the embassy. I'm like, what are they going to do to us? What do they want from us? Why are they looking for us? Like, what is going on? I was so paranoid and scared that all I could do was just turn off my phone. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to deal with this when we get to Georgia. I'm like, get me the hell out of this freaking country. Get me the hell out of Azerbaijan. Get me out of Baku. And as much as we had loved so many aspects of it, at that moment, I wanted nothing to do with this country. I wanted to get the hell out. So we dropped off the car and then we took a taxi to the bus station. We went to the bus station and it's like this huge bus station that it takes you like an hour just to walk through and walk into. And we finally get to the bus terminal, get to the bus tickets and they tell us there's no more buses. And we're like, oh, fuck. 
We're like, shit, what are we going to do? We have nowhere to stay. We're trying to get the hell out of this country. There are no buses. What are we going to do? Luckily, we got outside and there's like, it's madness. I mean, there are hundreds of guys standing outside of their cars trying to pull people in to get them to take a taxi. And instead of taking a bus to wherever they're going, pay a little extra and they'll take you. And this is what they were doing. So all these guys were like pulling us and pulling us and like, come with me, come with me, come with me. And we're like, I'm like, we have no choice. We have to take a private car. Whatever it is, however much it costs, let's do it. Obviously, we wanted to negotiate and we did and we negotiated with them. And I think like the bus ticket to drive there would have been like 30 bucks. Um, I think it was, it was like a seven hour drive, seven to eight hour drive. And I think the guys were offering it for like 60 bucks or something like that. And so it wasn't expensive at all, especially for when you think about, can you imagine a $60 car ride for eight hours to drive you to another country? Yeah. So we were in the, we found this guy and he was like, the way they were trying to do it is obviously they're trying to make as much money as possible. So they're finding people at the bus terminal that are also going to Tbilisi and going to Georgia. So they're trying to pack in as many people as possible in in this car. We said under no circumstance, the only way that we will agree to this is if no one's sitting in the back with us because we just wanted our space it was a really small car and I'm like right now the way I feel and I'm so anxious I cannot sit next to anyone right now especially in the car for seven or eight hours so he agreed and they just put someone in the front so we were headed off headed off to Georgia and we're on this highway and like I remember the whole time I am, I am sweating, I'm freaking out, I'm shaking, I'm looking back, I'm paranoid, I'm thinking that at any moment that we're going to get arrested, I'm thinking, I'm definitely thinking at the border something's going to happen, I'm like, did these people flag our passport, like, they're looking for us, what do they want from us, I don't know, so we're in the car, and then I remember one of the guys that was in the front, the guy that was in the front, all of a sudden, they, like, pull off in the middle of the highway, in the middle of nowhere, and then some other guys with his car waiting there. And then this guy gets out and then they open the trunk and then our bags are in the trunk. So they get out and then like this guy leaves. And then I'm paranoid because I'm like, oh my God, did they take our bags? Like, are they trying to like put some, like, I was just didn't know what, what to expect. So I made him, I'm like, can I check our bags? And he's like, yeah, your bags are still there. I'm like, okay, cool. We kept going, kept going, got to, uh, finally got to the border and because, you know, you have to get to the border first and before you cross the other country. And we got to the border and it was like in this small room, kind of like really bright lights. And it just looks like a really old school DMV kind of setup that's like super small. And there's this huge crowded line of uh, Georgians and Azerbaijanis. And I'm still sweating because I'm like, that's this is it. Like, we're going to go. I'm going to show my passport and they're going to arrest us. They're going to flag us. And we did, we went one by one. I gave my passport, I put my backpack through the thing and then I came out and everything was fine and no one said anything, no one did anything and I was so relieved. I was so relieved, but I had so many emotions that it was gonna take a lot longer for me to get over them And in Georgia was just a crazy journey and a crazy thing that I went through and we went through. And I got, I had some really serious health issues that happened in Georgia. And I don't know if it was like a 
culmination of everything that happened in Azerbaijan, everything that happened in all our travels. I don't know, but it was crazy. So I will definitely talk more about Azerbaijan. I will definitely talk more about all our stories going forward and what happened in Georgia when we got there. But I just wanted to share that story and give some background on why we were even so paranoid and why I was so paranoid and why I really thought we were going to get arrested. So, and what happened was just to leave off this story, when we got to Georgia and we got to our Airbnb in Georgia, I turned on my phone and this kid had messaged me and I told him, I'm like, oh, by the way, uh, we're in Tbilisi now. We're now in Georgia. We're in Georgia. So sorry. <laughs> and he's like, what am I supposed to do? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, but honestly, I'm like, I think these cops are corrupt and I think they're just trying to like shake you for some money. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you're right. So I still don't know what happened. I never talked to the guy again. Um, I'm not sure if we go back to Azerbaijan, if there's like, you know, our picture on a wall or something. I don't know still what they wanted from us. Um, but I guess that's the mystery and the fun of traveling, especially the way we travel. So I hope you enjoyed that weird and uh, interesting little story, and I will catch you guys later.